Yo, what's going on guys? Nathan back once again with another episode of the Unplugged Freedom Podcast. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit different because, well, I wouldn't say different, but uh, this is this is actually a story that is is very personal for me and it, um, it it's a really big part of my life. And it starts back when I was seven years old and I don't know if you haven't read my or downloaded a copy of my ebook yet. It's actually in there as well, part of this the story as well. And it talks about back when I was seven years old and why this is such a significant part of my life. And really, it's got a lot to do with um, uh, how how I would how I've ended up where I am today. And that everything that I share in my ebook, it's it's. It's there for a reason. It's there for a very specific reason because I've used all of that very same information and tactics and and tools in order to be able to go from where I was from, let's say, seven years old, go through all the things that I've gone through and to get to where I am today. And that's what I'm going to share with you is is exactly why that's such a defining moment in my life. So back when I was seven years old, I was actually in, well, I wasn't, I was living with my mom. I have a a biological mother, but I was in and out of foster homes quite a few times all throughout my younger childhood. But the thing is, is that I don't really actually feel like my life started until I was seven years old. I have a few and far between memories from when I was before I was seven years old, but I don't really have any full-fledged memories. And it was actually a long time until I think I was 20, 22 years old until I actually saw photos of myself as a little kid. And that was actually a very interesting from when I was like three years old, four years old. That was a very interesting thing because I never saw myself as actually having a life and before I was seven years old. And then to see photos of myself, bef- you know, before I was seven years old, that was a very interesting thing. So the reason I want to share this story with you is because everything that is in my ebook, it's there for a reason. And it's it's the kind of things that I've used. And it, it works. And I hope that you hear this story today and you actually go back and you look through my book or you look um, listen to a couple of the other episodes from the podcast and you just take something take one thing you don't have to take everything you can just take one thing and implement that today and that can significantly change something for yourself so i was in and out of foster homes uh, up in, from a young kid and when I was seven years old, I was actually living with my biological mother. I don't actually know my dad. I don't know my bi- biological dad. I, I'm part native and part Spanish. And the only thing I know about my dad is from what my biological mother had said. She said, um, he's some spick from Toronto. That's That was her words. <laughs> that was the last time I asked her about him. She said, he's some spick from Toronto. So, yeah. <laughs> so... Anyways, um, I was living with my mother. We were living in this apartment building when I was seven years old. Seven years old, I 
one day we were doing the laundry and in order to do the laundry you had to actually come out of our building and then go over to the next one and then go into that one so we were we were grabbing all the laundry from the laundry room the laundry yeah the laundry room and we were heading back to our building and when we got to the door of our building i still know exactly where this um this apartment building is back in that town and when we got there i had my arms full like i was carrying a bunch of stuff i had the um the powdered laundry detergent in my arms and i don't know if you know these kinds of doors but you have to put the key in and then you turn it and then you actually have to keep it turned while pulling on it in order to open the door so it's quite the thing you know when you have your arms full and then you're small, right? I was seven years old, and here I'm trying to like balance everything and get this door open. And then all of a sudden, what happened was uh, I couldn't hold everything together, and the laundry detergent fell out of my arms and hit the ground, went everywhere. All the powdered stuff just everywhere. <laughs> but what happened was, see, my mom was she was an abusive, uh, alcoholic uh, kind of person. She got mad and she hit me. And so I just I started crying and she's like, Get like get out of my way, I'll do this and there I am bawling my eyes out and she's just it was just the usual routine with her, right? You didn't you you didn't make her mad, that was the thing. You didn't want to make her mad. You hated to because you knew what was gonna come. So she hit me, took over, opened the door. She's like, let's go. And I was like, fine. So crying my eyes out. And we get up to our apartment. And so then from there, because I had, because I wasn't capable in her eyes, I wasn't capable of being able to go and get the laundry. She said, you know what? Just stay here. I'll get the rest. So she left and she went to, to go get the rest of the laundry. Now the next part is actually a very interesting thing. Because I don't really actually know where it came from. But I do know that I have this still within me. This kind of... Um, um, I don't even know what to call it. But I'll explain it in a second here. So... She left to go grab the other laundry. And I just remember feeling so frustrated, so angry, so just done with how things were going. And I wanted I wanted uh, I wanted it to stop. I didn't know how that was gonna be. But what I came up with, the idea for whatever reason and how wherever it came from. I actually, I remember I walked into the living room and then I picked up the phone and I decided that I was going to call 911. I called 911. It's a lady on the other end and I, she asks me, what's your emergency? And I basically said, my mom hit me. And they try to keep you on the phone and I was all scared because I because my mom could walk through the door at any moment right now and 
So I got this lady trying to keep me on the phone, asking me all these questions. Where's my address? What's my name? All this stuff. And I'm just so nervous, so scared. Just, I don't want my mom to come in and see that, you know, what I'm doing. And so then I basically just hung up on the person. I was just like, I don't know. And I just hung up on the person. And I had no idea what I had just done and how this would affect my life. This one decision, and you'll hear me say it many, many times and refer back to it. You know, Tony Robbins always says, it is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. And it's so true because that decision to pick up the phone, to dial 911 and to tell them that my mom hit me, changed the course of my life that one decision one thing and so uh, there I am scared shitless I get back into my room and I'm just kind of like playing around in there I have no idea what I just did I don't even know where that came from and but it was that frustration that anger that I was just tired of it. I was tired of living like that. And I, I didn't want to live like that anymore. I didn't know what was going to come of this. But this frustration and this, um, um, you know, when, when you get to that like boiling point where you're just done with something, that's actually something I've carried with me all throughout my life where if I'm doing a job, let's say, or I'm living in a city that I don't like and Maybe I'm in a relationship that I don't like. I'll get to a point where I'm just like, okay, I'm done with this. And then I will make the decision and then I will just put put everything I need to do and end it. I'll move, I'll leave the job, I'll quit, I'll leave the relationship, whatever it is. Once I'm done, I'm done. And I've had that ever since I was a young kid and seven years old. I had that. I was sick and tired of living this life where my mom was abusive and would hit me and I just got to that frustrated point and I said, fine, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm done. So I didn't know what I had actually done. And I'm in my room and I'm scared. And my mom eventually comes back with the rest of the laundry and I'm just in my room. I have no idea what's, what's going to happen and what's happening. And everything's just kind of calm. And then all of a sudden... A little short time later, there's a knock on the door. You can you can only imagine like just the the amount of fear that went up through my back, and you know she opens the door, and I'm listening from my room, and then I just hear her yell back at me. And whenever my mom raised her voice and got angry, you knew what was gonna happen. And she yells back, Nathan, did you call the cops? Now I'm scared. Now I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking livid. And so from that point, I don't really remember a whole lot. The next part that I remember is I remember being down in the parking lot. And I'm in one police car. And she's actually in another one. And I'm sitting there. The door is open. And the police officers are just kind of like chit-chatting with one another. And then eventually this gentleman rolled up and he, he was, I didn't know who he was at the time, but he was actually my social worker and I didn't know him or what he was or anything. And, but apparently we were waiting for him. So he rolled up 
And once again, I don't really remember a whole lot of what what had happened from that to the next point, which the next point we were, it was later in the evening and we were just driving out. And it seemed like we were just driving forever. We're driving out into the country and I have no idea where we're going, who this stranger is or where he's taking me. I have no idea. And I have no idea what, what just happened to my mom. Uh, and I've just, can you imagine like how that, <laughs> like you just have no idea what's going on right now in your whole entire world and you won't until years later. And that's, that's the crazy thing. So we eventually roll up into this driveway and we get out of the car and we both walk up to this door and we knock on the door and you'll, you'll hear more of this story in my book. And so, the, my social worker knocks on the door, and he, gentleman answers, and they're just kind of like chit-chatting, and same thing, I just, no idea what's happening, who are these new people now, I don't know who this guy is, I don't know who the heck these people are, I don't know what the heck's going on, where's my mom, and like, what happened, like, <laughs> They bring me into the house, and everybody, there's a family sitting around the table having dinner. And there's three siblings. The siblings are all older than me. The oldest being eight years older than me. And so then they sit me down next to this lady, and this was the mother of the house, and that was the father of the house who had answered the door. And then... uh Sharon was her name, and she she starts putting some food out for me and on a plate. And I, whenever I tell the story, I'll, I always I always remember. She says, "Do you like rice?" I said, "No." I was actually so scared, and so I, I had no idea who these people were. <laughs> like they, I just had no clue. So I said no, even though I liked rice. That was the thing is that I liked rice. But because I was just in this state of mind, this state of like fear and uncertainty, I just said no. She's like, okay. And then it wasn't until like, I don't know, months or years later that I eventually came out and had to come clean and say that I do like rice. She was like, what? I thought you didn't like rice. <laughs> All because of that one point. But anyway, she's putting out this food on for me and I'm sitting there eating with this new people who I had no idea who they were. Never met him in my life before. But the big thing as to what happened was, there I was, seven years old. And this family that they just brought me to would eventually turn into my actual family. And this is the... Because I, I stayed with them from that time till from I was seven years old all the way until I was 17 when I moved out. Moved out on my own at 17, but I stayed with them for the next 10 years of my life. And the reason that they became my family is because I tried to keep a relationship with my biological mother but the problem was is that she was always she was always the same 
and there was always just the problem and the negativity and I I just it got to a point where I was just fed up with it I said you know what I I don't want this in my life I don't need this in my life I'm not gonna have this in my life and I eventually just stopped talking to her because I I didn't I didn't need that in my life and just because somebody is your blood relative personally I don't believe that gives them a get out of jail free card and anybody can be a parent but no not everybody can be a mother or a father but anybody can be a parent anybody can do that it doesn't take any effort whatsoever but it, you have to earn the right to be a mother and so so I eventually stopped with that relationship with her because I had a family who loved me and this family that I stayed with for the next 10 years of my life that was crucial for me because having the childhood that I did going in and out of foster homes when I was younger and having you know the biological mother that I had I um I had my issues to deal with. So in high school, elementary school, I think um, I think I was in grade three when I eventually showed up. And it was tough. It was definitely tough. I, you know, I got suspended so many times. It was it's not even funny. My dad had to come in and meet with the teachers and the principals so many times. I'd get notices saying that if I didn't smarten up, I would be uh, kicked out of school if uh, I'd have to take summer school uh, my my parents would get the phone call saying yeah he got caught shoplifting he they would get the phone call middle of the night saying that I got picked up and by the cops and I was in the jail cell <laughs> downtown and uh, I I had my things to go through my things to deal with and it was it was quite the quite the thing that's for sure but one thing that I always knew that I always held close to me was that no matter what I did no matter what kind of trouble I I was putting on or whatever stress I was putting on this poor family having to deal with me and me going through whatever I was going through and they were always there they always always loved me no matter what they didn't it, it didn't matter if it was um, you know 2 o'clock in the morning they had to pick me up from the jail cell and they'd be mad you know, they'd be mad and disappointed and upset at uh, whatever it was that I did. And then there was a point where I eventually got kicked out of high school. I think I was either 16 or 17. And I remember coming in to the house. And I sat down at the very same table, the very same table where I first met them. That very first night at 7 years old, here I was about 10 years later. <laughs> sitting down at the very same table and they were having tea I said well 
I won't be, I won't be going to school tomorrow. I said, why? So, well, I kind of got kicked out of school. <laughs> what? For what? And I said, well, selling, selling stolen stuff and selling pot. <laughs> well, actually, I, I don't, I can't remember what I exactly told him. I'm pretty sure I told him one of the two, but I didn't tell him both. <laughs> I can't remember which one I stole. I think I said I was selling stolen stuff. And so I got kicked out of school and they eventually found a new school for me to go to and which is actually better. Uh, but they they always were there no matter what. And that and that's the biggest thing that was for me. So over that 10 years while living there, they became that family for me. And then even when I moved out, they were still that family. It, they were still the people who I would come to when I needed help. When when I would join the army and I was about to leave, they were the people that I would say goodbye to and that I would contact when I'm living across Canada. They were always, always those, those people for me. And so having traveled to seven different countries, lived abroad for three years, lived all across Canada, joined the army, all the things that I've done in my life so far, all the things, all the failures I've experienced, all the successes I've experienced, they were always there. And they will always be there for me. And it's really it's really sad that in two years ago, twenty eighteen, summer of twenty eighteen, so basically two years exactly, my mom had actually passed away. And like I said, if you Whenever you hear me talking about my mom, my dad, and it's it's this family because they are my family. My biological family is not my family. <laughs> and so so yeah, 2 years ago my mom passed away and unfortunately I was I was in Indonesia and I wasn't here and I was it was very hard, you know, because she, I, I worked very hard to make sure that she didn't have to worry about me. Like, she worried about me after I left the army and all throughout my my childhood. And But if there's one thing I always wanted was for them to never have to worry about me. That no matter what direction I chose to go in life, that... I would always, I would always be, be good, and that you wouldn't need to worry about me. And I worked really hard to try and get that for her, so that she, she knew that if I was going to Australia, or I was going to Indonesia, or whatever the heck I would be doing, that she didn't have to worry. And I, I think, and I believe that she left this world knowing that. I was going to be okay. 
knowing that no matter what, I would always be okay. I came back from Bali that year for six weeks to stay with my dad because I was actually really worried about him and, you know, married for 47 years, <laughs> married longer than I've been alive, well, well over, and I don't even know what that would be like. You know, I've, I've left relationships six years, three years, two years, six months, and I know how they've affected me. So I couldn't even imagine what leaving a relationship of 47 years would even be like. And it was extremely, extremely tough for my dad. Well, that's why I worried about him. It's because my mom had MS, and so a big purpose in his life was taking care of her. And so without her, so much of his purpose was gone now. And that was extremely worrying for me because I, I seen that and I recognize that and I know that when people are retired and um, when they're older that they need that. They need that um, purpose in life because if you don't have any passion or purpose in life, you're, you're going to just dwindle away. So I came back for six weeks and stayed with him. And then afterwards, I went back to Bali, Indonesia, and the whole time I was just thinking that, I don't know, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable leaving because knowing that he was just there in his house, no one to take care of him, no one for him to take care of as well, and that he's not going to get better. And it's only going to keep getting worse as the days go on. And so I always had this in the back of my mind. And I'm thinking and I'm thinking. And that was August, September, October, November, December, January. So five, six months later, I decided that I was coming back to Canada to help take care of him. And so, because he, he couldn't drive. And, you know, there was all kinds of, he was older and retired and all kinds of things he he never cooked for himself <laughs> so he needed someone and and because I wasn't here for my mom I I didn't want my dad to pass away I didn't want my dad to pass away while I was away as well so I came back of April of 2019, and I stayed with him, and it was it was just really the it was something that I I had to do not had to do I I wanted to do it and I I I wouldn't want it any other way because. Once again, it comes back down to when I was seven years old, I needed them. And they were there for me, no matter what. And now, here they were. Here they were, older and needing me, and... 
I wanted to make sure that I was there. And that's exactly what I did. So I stayed with him. Made sure he had a good dinner. Would wake up and he'd always have his coffee and his toast. It's always the same breakfast every morning. And would usually I'd usually make him a shake, like a good nutritionish nutritional shake for lunch and he loved it and I was always trying to, you know, make sure that he got as much nutrition as possible just just to make his days better, you know, the best as possible because I know what nutrition does for someone and even years before that there was a point where I was spending I think like $400 a month just to get them get them stuff so that they could um they could increase their their health and their nutrition and um you know maybe I'll share more of those stories cuz my mom seen positive results with her MS and so did my dad and I really loved that and I I I would spend a lot of money just to they they like to eat out and I'd get them buy them gift cards I'm like here's a gift card for booster juice you know go buy something and <laughs> and it's not like your typical um your typical fast food place which is where they'd usually go like a fast food place with a drive-through, uh, I would get them a place for like booster juice. It was like a healthy shakes and um, um, smoothies kind of thing, with paninis or whatever. And <laughs> and I remember my dad told me he walked in, and it was kind of like weird. He's never been in a place like that before, so he's he didn't really know what to what to think. So he said he went in there. He didn't order anything. He just kind of like stood there, kind of looking around, kind of scoped the place out. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I can understand that. I, you know, I, I, I know what that feels like. And then, but then afterwards, they would love it. They would tell me about how they would, before the hockey game, my mom loved hockey. And, and so um, they would go and get this, I guess it was like a specific thing that she really liked and they'd get something there and I'd, I'd always buy them something to just help them if you want to eat out go ahead and eat out just try and make a healthier choices kind of thing and yeah so so I was living with my dad and you know making sure that he, he had that and he had dementia and he was 80 years old right like he was 80 years old and fragile, unfortunately, all his hobbies and everything that he liked to do, he couldn't because of his health. And so I would, I, I, you know, I just, I did a lot. And so, um, yeah, I came back in April of 2019. And in January of 2020 this year, he passed away.
and one thing that one thing that I'm really sad about is is that uh, you know I'm 30, 33 years old now and I've, I've done a lot in my life for for how young I am having traveled and joining the army lived across Canada the, the amount of cities I've lived in the amount of jobs that I've had is just incredible the amount of life experience that I've had the the amount of challenges and the successes and just everything it's it, it really is a crazy amount and it's not gonna it's not gonna stop I'm I'm always gonna be finding new challenges finding new opportunities and having having bigger failures but then at the same time having even bigger successes as well and that is that is something that I really wish that that they would get to see because I I just I keep getting better and better as time goes on and as the as much as I try to improve upon myself and and that's really what my ebook is all about is you know books that I've read and information that I've taken in so that who I was when I was 20 years old is a completely different person than who I am today but I am glad that they got to see how much that I I have changed and I have grown over the years and I do believe that I left them with the with the um well, the certainty that I was going to be okay. And I don't think um I don't think they they felt worried about me. They 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 know that I would be, I'd be good no matter which direction I chose to go in life, and and that's uh, what I really, I've really worked hard for that, so that no matter, no matter what direction I go, whatever I choose to do, like I've, I've packed up and moved to a fucking third world country. Uh, Flew across the Pacific Ocean, and you know uh, <laughs> the amount of things. Like my parents were small hometown kind of folks, and like I don't even know what their thought process was when they th had like they had the idea or thought of me being in Australia or me being in Indonesia. Like they they hadn't <laughs> they. They had, I think, one of the only biggest trips that they had was going down to Disney World. That was before, I think, probably, that was probably way before I was even born. And 
so that was just like for to even think about like flying across the Pacific Ocean and staying in a third world country like they don't even know what to to think about it so but I did it and they they've seen me do it and they've seen me achieve it and I'm sure that them seeing that kind of stuff really set them at ease and say you know what he he's gonna be fine and yeah so so the the reason I share this with you is because it, it really goes back to everything that's in my book that I wrote that I shared ebooks or books uh, audiobooks podcasts courses you know the amount of courses that I have on my Dropbox is just a ridiculous amount anything you'd ever want to learn I have on my Dropbox I've collected over the years how to make websites from um, how to improve body language how to interact with people how to improve your resume like <laughs> uh, just so many things that I have that I've collected over the years and I continue to to keep going through because there's always something to learn. There's always something that we can better ourselves. We look in the mirror and we say, hey, look, I have a little bit of extra fat around my belly. I want to get rid of that. And you go after it and you get it. You learn how to do it and you go after it and you get it. You say, hey, look, I'm, I'm tired of making $2,000 a month. I want, I want to make fucking $10,000 a month. And that's exactly what you do. So, everything that I share, audiobooks, courses, uh, personality tests, learning about yourself, learning why you do the things that you do, I wouldn't be where I am and have, have overcome all the things that I've gone through if it wasn't for all of that stuff that I've put together in there. Now, you may not like every single book that I've put in there. You may not like every single person who I've referenced in there. But that's that's fine. The idea is to get you started. The idea is for you to say, start with one of them. And then you might say, hey, I don't like this guy, but I do find the person that they're interviewing very interesting. Let me get some more information about that person. And then that goes into somebody else who you might like into somebody else who you might like. It's just a chain reaction. It's to show you that everything that I share in that book, it, it that kind of stuff works. There's a lot of people out there who don't even consider picking up a book or listening to a podcast like that or anything. They just are sitting with their life and thinking, is this all there is to life? And they're just accepting it. And that's the thing is you don't have to accept it. You just give it the finger and say, fuck off, all right? I may be here today, but it's not where I'm going to be tomorrow. So my hope for you is that, one, after listening to this, you you realize, like, yeah, that that stuff does work, and that's why I share this with you. 
And two, you pick something. Like I said, you don't have to pick everything. You don't have to fucking go overkill like me. Like, it would kill the average person if they consumed the amount of information that I consumed. Like, I I just can't consume enough information. (laughs) But just take one thing. Look at yourself in the mirror. Look at who you are as an individual. Just ask yourself, if there was one thing I could improve in my life, what would that be? And it could be your finances. You might say, you know what, I, I really would like to get rid of my debt. And then put a plan together. How can I make an extra $300 a month? It's not hard to make an extra $300 a month. If you don't know how, well, it might sound hard, but if you know how, it's actually not that hard. And how you, in simple terms, you just increase your value. So for me, for example, I know how to help businesses increase their bottom line and their revenue through marketing. So I have those skills and those talents so I can go to businesses and say, hey, look, I can improve your website, which will get you more customers, which will get you more revenue. I learned all of that. I don't have any formal education. Okay. Uh, I hated school. school. School is just the fucking worst for someone like me. But that's okay. If you don't if you don't like school, that's totally fine. School's only meant for a certain kind of person. And if you take out of 10 people, there's not very many people who school is actually meant for. But just find something. If it's your finances, if it's your relationship. You know how many books there are out there? There are relationship coaches, relationship um uh, seminars. There's so many things out there. If you want to improve your relationship, if you want to improve who you are, uh, maybe you're a very shy, quiet, quiet person. You don't have much confidence. You might be very timid, whatever it is. Guess what? There's a course for it. There's a book on it. Just improve that. Whatever it may be, you have that ability. I'm not saying you got to consume information like a fucking maniac like me. Okay, trust me. It would. <laughs> you don't even want to know the amount of, like, stuff that is that I consume on a daily basis it's just insane but you don't have to go that if you read one book a month I bet you're reading like no books a month the average person is reading no books a month so just to read one could change your life forever so I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you take something from it and I hope that you can see that Everything that is within my book, everything that is that I talk about on this podcast, that stuff works. And it will forever work. There will never be a day where I just hit a point and I'm I'm done. And I say, okay, I don't need to read any more books. I don't need to take any more courses. I don't need to... There will never be a day like that. At least for me, I know that. And the reason for that is because there's always going to be something that I need to improve. There's always going to be something new that comes along that I want to learn. And if you stop and you just settle, well, that's when you start dying. Because you have to be growing. Especially for when you get older. Like I said, my dad had a lot of hobbies. He liked to hunt. He liked to fish. He liked to um, do those kinds of activities that... It's very hard when you're in a very fragile state of um, 
you know, your physical body can't handle it. So it would have been nice for him to have smaller kind of tasks, which he did. He had he loved his crosswords and his Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, things like that. But it would have been nice if, you know, if he had, um, like, building birdhouses or something. Uh, things like that. Keep the body moving along with the mind. And so whatever you don't use, you're going to lose. It's a classic statement, and it's so true. So that's my biggest thing is I, I've said it before, I hope one day in the future you're going to email me and you're going to say, Nathan, I heard your story that one day. And I decided that I needed to improve my relationship. And now I'm madly in love, head over heels, whatever the hell you want to tell me, whatever it is. But it's possible. It may not happen today and it may not happen tomorrow. But I assure you that it will happen as long as you keep at it. Everybody wants everything today. We can order anything, anything that we wanted from the palm of our hands and have it within 30 minutes. That's how crazy this world is. And that's how soon everybody, somebody wants to learn a skill, guess what? They expect to be a master at it in 30 minutes. Like they don't want to put in the hours of work. I never knew how to make websites. When I was in the army, what I actually did is I actually would spend my vacation holiday a week to learn how to build a website. That's how I actually did it. And I'd go back to work and people say, Oh, how'd you spend your holiday? I'm like, you don't want to know. Because <laughs> they thought I was nuts. But I loved it. And here I am, I have clients all over the world. I have clients in Indonesia, I have clients in Vancouver, I have clients everywhere doing websites, doing marketing. Do I have any degrees? Fuck no. My degrees are my clients. That's that's my degree. Never have I ever had a client ask me, hey, what's your marketing degree? Fuck that marketing degree, okay? Look at what I've done for all these businesses before you, okay? That's my degree, Alright, so anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you email me in the future about something amazing that you've accomplished because that is one of my most favorite things is when I get those emails, when I get those text messages from people and they they really are thanking me for for that. So I hope you will be one of those as well. I will talk to you later.